Welcome to Classroom Success 101 Podcast Show. I'm your host, Josh Roos, the Hardcore Behaviorist, and I'm here to help you overcome those problems you're experiencing every day. You're listening to a master audio class, so put your positive thinking caps on and get ready for another lesson on how to achieve greatness within your classroom. For show notes, make sure you check out our website at hardcorebehaviors.com forward slash podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube at Hardcore Behaviors. Also, make sure you check out our Hardcore Behaviors Teacher Pay Teacher Store for our helpful digital downloads. And join our Facebook group, Educators United, to help education continue to thrive during these tough times we are facing when schools are closed throughout the country due to the coronavirus. By joining Educators United, we encourage you to upload free online educational resources to help educate our students from a distance. Welcome to another episode of Classroom Success 101. Uh, Today we are going to be talking about challenging behaviors and how we can address those through identifying the antecedent behavior and consequence. Um, We have a very special guest uh, that is here to talk to us today about challenging behaviors. It's Natalie Halk. How are you doing, Natalie? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, that's awesome. Uh, You are here to talk about challenging behaviors. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about you. Um, what got you into the area of, you know, your education process, where, what you're teaching, and um, let's start, you know, let's go and talk about those challenging behaviors and what teachers out there can do to uh, decrease some of those challenging behaviors. There's so many things we can do, but first off, I have been working in human services since 2004. I was about 20 years old. I've worked as a caseworker. I've worked as a case manager. I've been a one-on-one assistant for people with disabilities. Okay. And I've been teaching in an urban school since 2010. Um, I am a special education teacher and my main focus is teaching students with behavioral or emotional disorders. Awesome, awesome. Yes, so I, of course, I'm very interested in decreasing those challenging behaviors because I'm dealing with them on a daily basis. Um, So through that, I've developed a quick study program for general educators to implement a flexible ABA approach. Okay. Okay. And I, I know, I know trying to get teachers to implement some of these strategies is it's, it's sometimes can be a challenge. So what, what, what is the, uh, what is the program that you have developed? What is that all about? The program that I developed is really a presentation. It's very interactive. I presented this um, specific PowerPoint in the fall to over 80 educators who paid $40 a piece um, for continuing education in order to be a part of this. It's a huge concern, you know, within our education community, we're seeing an uptick in really challenging behaviors in pretty much all settings. Mm -hmm. And in my experience, a lot of general education teachers 
didn't anticipate ever dealing with this in their mm -hmm. career. And so they are quite dumbfounded when this happens and they don't really know where to turn. Um, yeah. So, you know, I've seen a lot of growth from people who have attended the presentation. I've also started a special education committee at my school and working with other special education teachers and collaborating with the gen ed teachers. Um, I've seen, you know, when they apply these ABA approaches, they see a lot of success and they see a decrease in those really challenging unwanted behaviors. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's, that's big time, especially with, uh, um, you know, new teachers or even, you know, teachers that have um, some time in the classroom, you know, coming out of the, the college, you know, a lot of times we just were never trained on any kind of um, behavior management techniques and, uh, you know, when you get in there and you have some of these behavior problems that are very severe within your classroom, um, it, it can become a challenge for teachers um, because, you know, if you don't know the answers, you feel all alone within your four walls and and you just don't know what to do to be able to turn that stuff around. And and, you know, sometimes we don't have the best mentor teachers or we don't get the best advice on campus. So, you know, as a, as a new teacher, if I was a brand new teacher and um, I had some of these severe behavior problems within the classroom, what is the first, uh, what are some of the first things that you would suggest um, for new teachers or anybody who is struggling with a student that is, uh, you know, presenting a, a, behavior problem within the classroom? So one of the first things that I would suggest is, um, and this is something that I said at the beginning of, of my presentation, is it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay mm -hmm. to admit that maybe things need to change, that maybe the system that you have in place isn't working. I, th I feel like that is always the first barrier when I'm working with teachers, mm -hmm. is admitting mm -hmm. that fault without having the guilt attached to it. Right. Yeah. So I, I'm having this issue with a student. I don't really know what to do. And what I'm doing right now isn't working. Yeah. So once. And, sorry. Oh, go oh, ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say is, you know, that's part of, you know, with teachers is uh, I think we we get in this mindset of um, we can't fail. We can't fail. We can't fail. And we've always looked at failure as a bad thing, especially you know, being in uh, the school system, if you if you fail a class, that's bad. If you know all these, if you had a failing grade, that's bad. But you know, as you develop within your career, it, it, failing forward is is a good thing. That is how we learn um, how to be successful. I completely agree, and we need to model that for the children that we interact with, mm -hmm. even though we are in these you know, this is a very authoritative position, right? Mm -hmm. So we're in charge of children. We're being looked at as though we have answers, but it's also okay to be vulnerable and to accept that things need to change and that we are lifelong learners. So mm -hmm. I, I would say that that's really the first step in addressing a challenging behavior. Um, and I think the next step is going through a really basic ABC chart. So Mm -hmm. identifying so um, yeah so for the listeners out there that have no clue what you're talking about 
and we're not talking about the alphabet. <laughs> we're talking about uh, an ABC chart. Uh, kind of give an explanation of what that is. Sure. So if we are talking about an ABC chart, it's basically identifying the antecedent. So what happens before the challenging or unwanted behavior Mm -hmm. You are then defining the behavior. That's the B. So what is the student doing during this episode? And then the C stands for consequence. So what did the student attain? What happened right after? And this is a really nice, concise way of just, you can even quickly jot it down. We went to gym. So-and-so had a fit in the hallway. The consequence was an administrator was called just Mm -hmm. antecedent. So before behavior and then consequence. And Mm -hmm. I, I feel like filling something like that out and just really drawing attention to exactly what happened can be so powerful because often when you are experiencing a child who has really challenging behaviors, your cortisol goes way up. You're super stressed in the moment. (laughs) You're seeing just as red as the student is seeing in a different way. And so kind of having that little, you know, period of reflection quickly afterwards, then you can really get down to, okay, this is, I was so emotional about it, but this is actually what happened. Let me record it. And Mm -hmm. um, so from there, you know, when you're looking at the antecedent, so I'm grouping setting event into the antecedent Um, you can begin to identify different environmental factors that you can tweak to your benefit to eliminate the chances of that unwanted behavior recurring. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So this is basically for all the teachers out there, this is a document that you're actually um, looking specifically in the environment of when the behavior occurs and what might be happening to um, make that behavior happen or reinforce that behavior. So uh, the ABC chart is very, a very good tool to use. I know when you're writing a behavior intervention plan, we use that a lot. Um, And it also helps, you know, if you're struggling within the classroom, it also helps, uh, um, you know, behavior specialists who are trying to, um, you know, analyze the problem and solve the problem as well. It helps them out too. If, you know, if you have these documents at hand. Absolutely. And like I said before, I really feel like it takes the emotion out of what happened. You're getting down to the facts of exactly what happened. And I have found this to be really helpful as well when I'm talking to the support team, like you just spoke about, but also administrators and saying, mm-hmm. no, this is what happened before. This is what the behavior looked like. And then this is how we dealt with the behavior. Um, and, you know, the consequence, when you're talking about consequence, you're not talking about all of the time, like the student had to go to the office or I sent the student, you know, next door to have a break. The consequence can also be the student got to stay in the classroom and finish his or her work, right? That's still a consequence. Yeah. So, um, it's very much just describing what the environment was, what exactly happened after they demonstrated this unwanted behavior. Mm. And, and, you know, this is a very 
important piece of document um, because it, it determines the function of the behaviors and how we can go in and, and start providing intervention for the, the students. So um, that ABC form is very important. I know it, it, it can be new at times for people that um, have not seen it. Um, I know, you know, when I first saw it, uh, probably about 10 years ago, it was a, a form that we were told, uh, and I really didn't know what I was doing with it. So, um, <laughs> you know, if it's something new that you're seeing and you have questions about it, make sure you ask the, the, the person who, who, who handed it out to you. I mean, again, if you, uh, if you're still, if you're trying to do this on your own without, um, if nobody's provided this and you're just listening to this this uh podcast i mean this is a great tool to take really good data i mean it's uh one of those things that i, I think as a classroom teacher if you do have it's not like trying to take data all day long on that type of person but if it's if it's something that you know you're starting to see that it is a behavior um it's 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 a frequent behavior um definitely i would I would start recording some, uh, you know, it, you know, times of it, um, you know, whether that be some kind of, uh, where you sit there and you, you try to analyze when is this behavior actually happening? Um, you know, you can, you can analyze different times that it is happening within your classroom and you can start seeing, I mean, once you like go ahead and like explain, and I'm, I know you've, you've seen this, but if I've given you, um, you know, maybe 10 sheets of, of ABC data. I mean, is there a story to be told out of all that data? I've found absolutely there is a story and I found this to be really interesting with students with emotional and behavioral disorders are often not the best at communicating And when we got a new student in the class, there's an uptick in certain behaviors when it's small group time from certain students. Um, when there's a change at home that I know about, I can see an uptick in the data for certain behaviors. So there's always a story to be told. And a lot of our students with disabilities, they just don't have those communication skills to pull you aside and say, you know, I'm really upset when you put me in a group with so-and-so or this happened last weekend and I'm really upset about it. It's so interesting to take a look at all of that. And it's powerful. It really is powerful mm -hmm. data. Yeah. So recap on the ABC charts. I mean, the, the thing with the ABC chart is it does have a lot of data that um, will reveal um, things about what's occurring with the behavior. So this is why the ABC charts are so much important to anybody that is trying to um, figure out what the function of the behavior is, what, what is actually driving the behavior? Um, why are these kids, um, you know, you know, showing these behaviors? And, and like you said, it's, it's, uh, you know, some of these students don't have the communication piece and, you know, it's, it's, um, this is how they're getting their needs met. Um, and, you know, I always like to kind of say, it's like, you know, it's it's when a kid 
kind of transitions off of crying and, you know, is, is starting to use their words, but, you know, doesn't really use their words all the time and, and still gets their needs met by crying. We're still, I mean, the behavior's there and, and this is what we got to try to do and try to figure those things out. Um, so you are in the classroom. Is that correct? I am in the classroom every day. Okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm in a sixth grade 811 and this classroom is only for students with emotional disturbance. Okay. So um, it's myself. I have a teacher's aide with me full time. Um, and I currently have five students. This is my second year with this group. Okay. Okay. And so you're, it's, it, it's what a self-contained classroom. Is that what it that is? is? Yes, it's self-contained, um, and in New York State, we now call these rooms special classes. Okay, they call them special classes, that's correct? They do. They just changed that, I think, at the end of last year, they went from self-contained classes, they're now referred to as special classes. Okay, okay. Um, I, I know that, well, I know in Texas, as I have not heard that yet, but... Um, um, I'm sure eventually we'll probably be renaming that classroom as well to a different name. I don't know. Um, you what... never know. <laughs> <laughs> we change so often. I know. Um, but uh, anyway, so um, does your program, are you basically, are you trying to get your students back within the class, the gen ed classroom, or do you have another program on campus that does more of the, um, you know, working with students within the, that are, that receive behavior supports, but within the gen ed classroom. So the ratio for my class, so I, I have the 811 and then my goal is to transition students into a co-teaching model where okay. there'll be 25 students and maybe, you know, eight of those students or nine of those students have an IEP. Um, and the IEP can be for, you know, a variety of things. So that's, that's really the goal. Um, it's a difficult transition, I would say, for a lot of students um, mm -hmm. to, to make that, that leap because there isn't really an intermediate um, program available within mm -hmm. my school system. So if we could somehow transition students back a little more slowly, I think it would be more successful, but that's what we're working with right now. So, yeah. and, and see, that's, it, it's, it's, you, you, you are on the opposite end as, as Texas. I mean, uh, I know the schools that I've worked in Texas, it's like, um, you know, instead of we, we try to do both. I mean, we, we end up, if it's too severe, we'll, We'll have them in the classroom all day long while we're teaching them, but we're also trying to um, help out students that are within the, the general education classroom. And I almost feel like there needs to be two separate entities, like, you know, like what you're saying that you do, but then you have another program that takes the students that are ready um, from your class and you start slowly implement them, implementing them back into the general education classroom. Um, but with somebody out there that's not you monitoring them, it's another behavior teacher that 
uh, is monitoring them within the classroom. Um, that would be ideal. And it would really be know. ideal as well if all special education teachers were able to work as behavioral room teachers, but we just don't, I'm not sure what the um, higher ed looks like in Texas, but I've, I have my master's in New York state in special ed. And it wasn't until the last year of my program that I received any kind of behavioral training. Um, yeah. So it, I think it's also just a teacher by teacher basis as well um, to determine yeah. who can handle the behaviors and who has that expertise. Yeah. So it can be challenging. It, yeah. It's very challenging. I mean, I, I mean, I know with part of my master's degree, I specifically had to take behavior uh, management classes that I did as electives because I knew it was going to help me out within mm-hmm. um, the my my job setting. But um, it is, I mean, a lot of times, um, I would say probably most of the time, you know, teachers are coming out without any kind of knowledge of the behavior world um, and how to, you know, manage those. And, you know, I, I don't know, I, I wish the schools would do a better job of being able to teach those skills to new teachers um, so that they're ready for that type of, um, you know, problem that they're going to, that that's going to end up being put on their plate. I mean, it's going to happen. Yes. I mean, the, the longer you're in education, it's, it's, it's going to be there. So I completely um, agree. And I, I just, I don't, I don't understand why uh, universities have not started um, changing that. I don't know if they are, but from, you know, it, it's, it's like, if you know any kind of knowledge in, in managing behavior, all of a sudden you're like the specialist Absolutely. Of, the, uh, of the school district. I know. <laughs> and it's, it's a good place to be. I really love behavior management. I mm-hmm. feel much stronger as a behavioral teacher than I do as an academic teacher. I yeah. just, I just wish that this kind of information, like you said, was available to people before they finish their program and really to gen ed teachers as well, because I'm seeing a lot of behavioral issues in the gen ed setting and they're mm-hmm. just picking up um, every single year I'm in teaching. I, I notice that it's getting, that it's increasing those, those unwanted behaviors are being demonstrated. So. Yeah. Um, I'll, I mean, I, I'm, I do teach a few general education classrooms and, you know, with the, uh, with what I'm looking at is I, I feel like there are a lot of gaps that these kids that are being, uh, they're not identified yet. Um, you know, it's taking forever to, to get these kids identified because um, the school systems don't have proper RTI systems in place mm-hmm. or, um, you know, it's just th- the lack of resources school, schools have. And, you know, what intends to happen is I think some of these gen ed classes um, get to the point where, the you know, there's it's just not one behavior student anymore. It's like five of them within a classroom. And, you know, you're it's it's challenging from that perspective because, um, you know, it's you're you're now you're trying to identify this kid that has never been identified mm-hmm. and, you know, going from there. So I think, uh, um, you know, with these school districts or schools that teachers are working in, um, I would say the number one thing uh, that teachers need to start looking for is um, is there some kind of 
behavior committee, you know, like, is there, a, um, are, are we really, are we, are we hiding the behavior problems or are we actually putting intervention to the behavior problems? Um, that would be a big concern with me if I was going to another school as a new teacher. Um, it's just because, you know, these kids need the, the interventions and supports um, so that it ends up helping um, us being able to manage these, these uh, the classrooms a lot better and actually having the knowledge to do it. So, and uh, in that sense, uh, you know, what are some, uh, some, some go-to interventions that you feel is a must for a teacher to be providing on a daily basis? So after you filled out your ABC chart, this is way after you've admitted there's an issue I need to change. <laughs> so you've had a little <laughs> bit of, you know, vulnerability conversation yeah. with yourself and other people. Um, what I then like to do is you look at what is maintaining the behavior, which is something that you kind of spoke about before. Um, so the functions of the behavior, is it to gain sensory input? Is mm -hmm. it to escape? are we attaining attention or are we attaining a tangible and behavior babe has an acronym s for sensory e for escape attain attention a t tangible so seat really mm -hmm. nice way to remember all of those functions so then you want to look at that you want to decide okay what is the student getting out of this what am i fulfilling and based mm -hmm. off of that information, that's when you start to create your reactive intervention, right? So this is after a behavior has been demonstrated. And one of the best interventions that I've found um, to work with gen ed students and just, you know, an entire classroom is class dojo. I don't know if you have experience working with class dojo. I have had experience working with it. I know um, some of the districts that I've helped out, that is one of their go-to is class dojo. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm not like a, a guru expert in class dojo. I just know that um, for some school districts, it was part of their um, basic classroom management. Very basic, right? It's, it's just an app. You mm -hmm. are setting up categories within the app of wanted behaviors. So behaviors that you would like the student to do. So listening, um, we do active listening in my room, which we operationally define at the beginning of the year and really go in depth teaching. Um, if a student is making good choices, a student's being respectful, good sportsmanship, those categories you assign points. And then throughout every period of every day you are reinforcing those wanted behaviors by awarding points i always have class dojo up on a board in my room so the students can see in real time the points that they're receiving i think the biggest thing with using an app like this is that you are only awarding points mm -hmm. you are not taking points away and the reason why you only want to use this system to reward is that the students are earning those points at that time. So mm -hmm. if Tia is sitting in her seat, she's actively listening and you're giving her points for active listening, 
you can't then later, an hour later, because she's calling out, take away the active listening points or you're erasing the progress that she made that last class period. Yeah. So I think that that's a really powerful thing. Um, you're also, when you're giving points, a lot of times for my students, they're getting attention. Mm -hmm. Their peers see that they're getting points. They're hearing the ding because the app gives off a signal every time that they get a point. They're getting that reinforcement of attention. So you're starting to shape their unwanted behaviors and replacing them with those wanted behaviors. So I found Class Dojo to be a really easy, simple thing for large classrooms to use. Um, mm -hmm. In my classroom we tend to get a little more niche because it's it's needed and i again i only have five students this year i only had eight last year so i have a little more flexibility with implementing specific programs for specific students we have a stamp program um, where they have a stamp sheet that is on their desk at all times anytime they're demonstrating a wanted behavior they receive a stamp and again throughout the day every second that you can reinforce the kid you reinforce it mm -hmm. um, and the points are never or stamps are never taken away so i've found that to be really powerful as well yeah and that's a, a good classroom management tool um you know for for your classes um again um i think especially in the middle school you know that is something that a whole school needs to get on board with uh, is to provide that as a go-to basis. You know, I, I think, you know, even most of classroom dojo that I've worked with is elementary, but, you know, I, I, I'm teaching middle school right now and I could still see the need for a class dojo in a middle school, you know, so. Um, and when, a, when we're, it's, it's also just such a great reflection piece mm -hmm. for data, right? Mm -hmm. So you can look at the data and say, Again, pair that up with your ABC chart and say that, I keep on saying Tia, and I promise I don't have a Tia in my class right now. That <laughs> name is just good. stuck in my head. <laughs> um, but you can say, listen, Tia got, you know, 30 points during the beginning of math. I can see that she then only received 25 points during ELA. And it's just a really nice way of looking at the data. And... I think the thing with reinforcement, too, is that it's reinforcing for the teacher. You're changing mm -hmm. the relationship that you have with that child because you are constantly looking for ways to reward them. So yeah. you're pointing out all of the best things that they're doing throughout the day instead of focusing on what they're not supposed to be doing. Right. Mm -hmm. You're kind of I mean, in my class, we ignore, ignore, ignore. I am only talking to you, especially since I'm the lead of the room and the kids want my attention the most. I'm interacting with you when you are adhering to classroom expectations and doing what you need to do. So my attention is that much more valuable and my relationship is that much better with them because yeah. they're only having yeah. a positive interaction with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, that's, you know, building those positive relationships with the students and that, that goes a long ways. So, um, yes. is there anything else that you would recommend uh, a teacher to also try within the classroom that, you know, you know, or have you seen in the past that work? So, um, 
with the stamps and also with dojo you're not just giving points just to give points you're not just giving stamps to give stamps right you're tying mm -hmm. those things to certain reinforcers and what you want to do as a class is decide different point levels and assign reinforcers to those point levels so you know someone fills up a stamp sheet they get to cash it in for a five minute walk with a teacher or a um you know prize from the prize bin or five minutes of technology so in doing these menu of reinforcers you're actually addressing each of those seat items you could address a sensory need you could address a need to escape by providing a walk right you mm -hmm. could address um again a walk is also a way of attaining attention because you're yeah. having one-on-one -on -one time with an adult um, you could cash in for a tangible so you're kind of meeting every student's needs with each of the point levels and you're making them feel successful and they want to subscribe to the program because they're getting what they want. So yeah. I would say that that's a really important thing. I see sometimes people just putting up points, putting up points, and then the points don't really go anywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it needs and, to be worth something. Yeah. And, and also I, I like where you touch base on it is, is what, what, what is the reinforcement meeting their need? I mean, if it's escaped then that's what you need to reinforce them with. You know, if it's attention, you need to reinforce them with that. Otherwise, um, you know, it's, it, it, you know, if you say you've got some general basis of, you know, I, well, I reinforce my kids within the class and it's not actually meeting that function of, of what the ABC, you know, where we're trying to provide a different intervention, um, you know, that reinforcement's just not going to work. So, um, you know, I, I see too many times that you know, teachers say that they have um, some kind of reinforcement system in there, but it's just some general basic one that, you know, all, all kids may not really want that reinforcement. So exactly. Uh, but, uh, you know, then that's kind of how it is. Well, uh, Natalie, I mean, you have dropped a lot of great things today. <laughs> Thank um, you. And hopefully, um, you know, the, our listeners out there will take some of these uh, ideas and um, take them back to the classroom where they can start implementing some of this stuff and uh, start seeing a change. So great. Um, I appreciate you coming on the show today. If you know someone who needs to hear this, share it with them, send them a text message, a DM, an email, put it on all your social media platforms, and tag me at Hardcore Behaviors. Also, keep the five-star reviews coming over on iTunes. It helps teachers find the show so they get an opportunity to make the decision to grow as well.